0: What a promise that is this morning. We can say it is well. Amen. It's our hope. It's our anchor of our soul. Knowing that all is well. That there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads today as we go before the throne of grace. We've already heard the prayer request today. and Now... Maybe you've got a request in your own heart. You'd just like to lift your hand and say, Jesus, don't pass me by. Will you speak to me today? Will you deal with me and my need, my situation? Just lift a hand to God and say, Lord, right here where I am, just meet my need. Father, we bless your name today and thank you for the privilege of serving you. What an opportunity that we have Lord to come bow before the throne of grace we can find help in our time of need Lord we need you Father today we're asking for your Holy Spirit to just speak to us that you reveal yourself to us in a great way today manifest your glory in our midst heal the sick Lord wherever they are oh God lift up the downhearted and give uh, open up the the, the eyes of the blind and set the captive free. Lord, open up our eyes today to understanding this, to the hour that we're living in. Lord, I pray, oh God, as we have this little reprieve and this little wake-up call, this little moment, Lord, where we can, as the Psalms would say, Selah, pause and think on this. May we just stop for a moment and think of where we're at in time as it blends over into eternity, and make our way, Lord, toward the promise of God that is given for this age and this time, we ask it in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you, brothers, for your uh, company today and coming out here on this um, kind of a stormy day, but um, it's Easter. Easter. Amen, and we're here to honor the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. I trust wherever you are, that you are under the blessings of God. And already, as we have sung the great songs of Zion, and uh, here and Adriana sing a moment ago, you know, daughters of Zion, Abraham's son, hear the word of your father. Amen. Uh, hear your promise of love. It's it's our hour. It's our time to hear our promise. AND GOD IS CALLING US TO ATTENTION IN THIS HOUR. AND I, I THINK IT IS A WONDERFUL TIME THAT WE'RE IN. I'M THANKFUL FOR THIS TIME JUST FOR EVERYONE TO MAKE THEIR CALL IN AN ELECTION SURE TO DRAW nigh TO GOD AS um, WE procrast- PROGRESS TOWARD THE END TIME PROPHECIES BEING FULFILLED. Uh, THIS YEAR, THINGS ARE VERY DIFFERENT DUE TO THE CIRCUMSTANCES THAT ARE BEYOND OUR CONTROL. As you know, we're not having youth camp. Although we want to thank Brother Michael Dexter and his team for the virtual youth camp that we had, where we have every day played back some of the services past. And um, in case you were a part of that, well, today is the climax service of that. So um, it's uh, it's not quite sunrise service, but um, it is Easter morning. And for thirty-three years now, I've not had an Easter service at our church. Um, But here we are today, and it's Easter. And this is a resurrection, kind of all of its own. It's like I said, been thirty-three years since I preached an Easter um, due to hosting the youth Louisiana Youth Camp, and this would have been our thirty-fourth camp, I think. And so, um, but due to the um, situations that's going on worldwide, that we're not able to have the youth camp this year, but we still had it, and we were blessed, and um, the Holy Spirit moved in hearts that were hungry for God, amen. I'd like to turn to Mark chapter 16 and verse 1, and uh, as you're looking that for that scripture, Mark 16 verse 1, I uh, I think about this. Uh, being that we started the youth camp in 1987, and I not had a uh, an actual Easter service in our church since then, it meant um, the the last one that we had was in our old wooden building way back um, uh, there, long before we built the the other one in 1990, uh, dedicated in 1996. And so, um, we never had an Easter service that I ministered in, um, in those uh, years in the, in the other church uh, after the old building that we met in. And so, this will be the first Easter service we've had in the new church. Amen. And I welcome you to be a part of this today as we just share of the Word of God. And, and uh, so, turn with me to Mark 16, verse 1. And when the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed with a long garment, and they were frightened. And he said unto them, Be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall you see him, as he said unto you. And they went quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. And when Jesus was risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. God bless you. I'm going to let you have your seats now, but I will have several more scripture readings that I would like to share this morning. Um, Joel chapter 2 and verse 21. I think this is very pertinent to this time and to this moment because he says, uh, fear not. Notice these were the same words that the angels said. Uh, don't be afraid. Fear not. O O Lamb, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the fields, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree, and the vine do yield her strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will come down uh, calls to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat and the fats shall overflow without wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. That it dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens, and the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant who the Lord shall call. And then if you'll give me one more scripture, and that will be Luke 24 and verse 1. Notice we've read read one out of um, Mark and now... uh, and uh, spoke of Joel in the Old Testament. We want to read Luke's account. Of course, there is also Luke's, uh, Matthew's, and, and John's account, which we won't read this morning. But let's just uh, read this together. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. But it came to pass, they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood behind by them in shining garments. And they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. And they said, uh, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? What wonderful words that we have read this morning and as we go back to the uh, thought of where we are in this day and time and and we want to just kind of bring it down to our hour, our day and make this pertinent for this morning. For a subject today I'm going to be speaking on um, It's Easter. And um, I I want to just... um, capitalize upon where we are in time as we face eternity. This quote stands out to me in the sermon, I know my Redeemer liveth and this great darkness is swinging over the earth now and is nothing but to declare that light is pressing its way down. When death is hanging so close that it could be in an hour and one hour from now the world could meet its death. If death is hanging that close, what is, what is doing it? It's life. Life is coming. The resurrection, the Easter for all of God's children. It is hanging low. It is pressing. The angels are coming down. The great Holy Spirit is moving in. Darkness is taking its last toll. For the light will soon be here and Christ will come and the glory and the hope of the ages. A real resurrection for all believers. And for we will share with him in his resurrection as we have shared with him in his suffering. He that suffers with me will reign with me. Oh, then, must I be carried home to heaven on a flowery bed of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? No, I must fight if I must reign. Increase my courage, Lord. He said, that's my prayer and I must not go on as a coward. I must not go around daily with my head hanging down as if something was terrible. When I look at the world and all their darkness and their carrying on, I must raise my head and walk with my head among the eagles, knowing this, that I know him and the power of his resurrection. Because he lives, we live also. Because he raised from the dead, I shall raise also. You shall rise also. That's what Easter means to the believer. And I think about today, what what does Easter mean? And I want to think of that as as we look and hear Brother Bradham tell us in the Easter seal. He says, how can I deny that the Bible being the truth that Jesus Christ isn't the same yesterday, today, and forever. And seeing the hour that we're living in, we need an Easter in the church. Resurrection, we need a resurrection to power men and women to stand out for that which is God's vindicated word. So as I reflect back on Easter's past, and certainly we've had some wonderful times at camp, and we had wonderful times in the old church when we um, rejoiced over Easter, and when the great resurrection, Brother Branham, in the last year of his life, in the last minute, and as he finished up his ministry, he preached two Easter sermons, and first, you know, he preached the, the Easter seal, and a few weeks later, he preaches, it is the rising of the sun. And in his reflections upon the seal, uh, and, and thinking of that myself, the seal can be thought of in two ways. The seal can mean to close or to shut up. Or the seal can mean authority or to authenticate or and to show approval or, or proof of. And so um, you, you have one in that day 2,000 years ago, they were using a seal. They were using a seal to seal up Christ in the tomb. Wow. And the religious system of that day had asked Pilate, secure the tomb, put a seal upon it, close it up, make sure the body remains in the tomb. And, and so, again, that is one meaning of it. The other is with God putting a seal, when God proves something. And so he also authenticates with a seal, a seal of his approval. So the denominational world uses a seal to close up or to shut up, where that God uses a seal when he seals something, he seals it with his approval. That's what he does when he fills you with the Holy Ghost. It's the seal of redemption where he puts his approval upon you. He authenticates you. And of course, this is what Easter was doing was authenticating by the resurrection all the words of Jesus to be the truth. And and Brother Branham would tell us in the true Easter seal, he said, the world is trying and will get worse all the time to seal Christ back in the tomb again. They're trying to make him an historical God. Uh, The one that walked back in those days give power to the disciples to heal the sick, to cast out devils. but. What they do, as soon as they thought they got rid of him, just like Cain did when he thought he got rid of Abel, they sealed him in a tomb and they put him in there. And today, he says, they're trying to keep Christ in a tomb. But oh, what an Easter morning done. An Easter morning ruined all of their theology. An Easter morning came for a purpose some 1900 years ago to a church. And, and, and when it did, it, when, the, when the Easter morning came, it ruined their theology. They cannot keep him in a tomb. Or a press, he said, you can put him in a Methodist tomb or Baptist tomb or a Presbyterian tomb. Whatever you want to. But he raised him out of that tomb. He is alive today. Said, I had a Baptist tomb, and you might have had a Methodist tomb, but one day Jesus rose from there from a historical God to a living, present God alive forevermore. Amen. And so now he said for nineteen hundred years, or maybe I can say fifteen or fourteen hundred years. He said, and I think he's referring to the days of Luther there. He said, where you know where the light of the dawn began to uh, be, began to um, uh, dawn upon the earth of the Reformation. And he says, but but some fourteen or fifteen hundred years ago, the churches has had him sealed away. And he said, but it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, and there's nothing going to stop it. And I want to remind you today, even now, nothing is going to stop the word of God. Nothing is going to stop the prophecies that have been spoke for this age to be fulfilled. Nothing, time to, means nothing to God. Uh, ages mean nothing to God. Amen. Men's ideas mean nothing to God. But I tell you, his word will be fulfilled in the hour that it's meant for fulfillment. Amen. The word has went forth. There shall be light in the evening time. And he says, I don't care how many seals that you have tried to put over. God will break every seal. He broke the seal of the tomb. He broke the seal of hell. He broke the seal of death. He broke the seal of the grave. And he arose from there forevermore, triumphant over death, hell, and the grave, and tombs, and every man-made thing to show he was God. And he cannot be sealed away from the people anymore. Let me tell you, every devil there is cannot put him back in the tomb once he raised up. Nothing can hold him. The grave couldn't be dug deep enough. And man, the stone couldn't be couldn't be big enough no matter how many tons it may have weighed it was way too big for those women as many as it were to move it around it did it was it took a massive amount of effort once that it was sealed but let me tell you it could not be it could not be sealed good enough To hold Christ in the grave. Nothing could hold him. He broke it every seal with that great Easter seal that he was sealed with. Amen. The same seal he said that I wear. You're going to wear it also. Amen. For he that believeth in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater than these shall you do. For I go to my Father. How are you going to keep it down? How are you going to keep it sealed up? And I'm just going to say today, you're not going to keep the message sealed up. Amen. It's already broke free. In the the Garden of Eden, when man sinned, he was sealed out of the garden. It was the tree of life was guarded. There was no offering appropriated. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. This would be reflected even in the uh, the large veil in the tabernacle when, uh, when uh, it was hung there to seal the worshiper from the presence of the Shekinah glory. But when the day of Pentecost come, brother, when Jesus died there at Calvary and finished the work, he didn't seal man out. Amen. He sealed man inside with himself. Amen. And now we're sealed up and shut up in the presence of the Shekinah glory amen we got a seal the Bible said grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption amen it shows that sin has been paid for and God has accepted you and you've been sealed into Christ by the baptism of the Holy Ghost and sin is finished and the the eternal seal has been placed upon you and there's no devil in hell can break that seal Amen. amen now we are resurrected today that gives ourselves a resurrection no wonder we can have such joy that we have in victory over the things of god because we have been resurrected amen those he did foreknow he also called and those he called he justified and those he justified he hath glorified he that saw us in the eternal past has already seen us in the eternal future Amen, because here is only in time where it's past and it's future. But oh, that great eternal day, he saw us there rejoicing and shouting in the great victory in Christ. And here we are in time doing what we did in eternity. And we are resurrected with him, the Bible said. And what does that word mean that we're raised with him? We're raised with him in the spiritual resurrection. You know, we're quickened. It means that we're made alive. That we ourselves have experienced that great resurrection. And we who were once dead in sins and trespasses, now we are alive. And we can never die. Amen, we can never be sealed again away from his presence. We can, the devil can no more ever get into us again. We are sealed into the day of redemption. So what a difference God's seal is from the, uh, from the, from the religious world seal. God's word and his seal seals you in with Christ, authenticating you securing you, putting a seal of approval upon you, while the seal of the religious world wants to keep Christ and his anointing and his power and his life away from you, keeping you and him just sealed and dead in the tomb. But the Easter message is, go tell my disciples, I have risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And, and you know, Brother Brandon, when he would describe this, he would use the word essence. He said the very essence of this resurrection. I want to talk about that word just for a minute. The word essence means the nature of something that determines its character or the property of something without which it would not exist or be what it is. So there, there is an essence, a property to this resurrection. Meaning, mean again, it's something without which it it would not exist or be what it is. It makes it what it is. There's something that makes the resurrection what it is. He said the essence of this resurrection is to tell and to show and to prove that Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen. Amen. That's what we need. I need just a little more sound up here. All right. Now, he's not dead. But he's living, and he he lives here. He is in us. I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. A little while, and the world will see me no more. Yet you will see me, for I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world, you see. Now, then that same essence of the message, that's the same essence of the message, because it is a resurrection message. want to get this this message is a resurrection message where it tells the suffer the weary the downtrodden amen that you don't have to remain in a downtrodden weary suffering condition but you can rise and be healed delivered amen and it ensures that we are the resurrection and the life. And this is not a dead message, but one of life. And it's a message of the resurrection. Now, without this property, without this essence, the message is worthless. Are you with me? Tell me, what, what really would be the meaning of the message if Jesus had went to the tomb and not risen? You see the resurrection was the essence of the message it made the message what it was Amen. without the resurrection the message would have been invalid That's right Amen But I want you to know I know I want you to know even this message today without the resurrection life in it the message is worthless right. Right. It is invalid It is meaningless. But this message declares the healer, the deliverer, has conquered death. And that we are the beneficiaries of his resurrection. Amen. Now, in it is the rising of the sun. Brother Branham uses this word again and he says, Now, the very essence, the properties of the message that was sent was that he is risen from the dead. And we are his beneficiaries. We share the the resurrection with him. Draw benefits from this by proving to the world that he is alive. And he says, and we cannot do it by word only. And we cannot do it by tradition of man. We only reflect exactly what we're pointing to. Amen. Amen. Notice again, the essence of the message. He is risen from the dead. Amen. This is what makes the message of value. That he's not dead, but that he's alive. He's alive, that he's not in the tomb. Amen. Amen. Whether it's tombs of man-made theology... Man, whether it's tombs of religion, whether it's that old tomb there, tomb that was carved out as a cave and was and he was placed within, it matters not. And man, the essence of the message is he's not dead; he's alive. And the, and the essence of the end time message is he is he's alive, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did, he is now. What he was, he still is. He's the I am ever present, present tense God. Now, he cannot do it. We cannot do it by word only. I hear hear ministers just saying today, well, what we need to do is, you know, it's not not the move of the Holy Ghost. We We need a teaching. We already got the teaching." We've had 2,000 years of teaching. We've had an intense teaching. In the last, I want to say, 56 and 55 years or so, we, we've had intense teaching. Amen. Maybe I could say 75 years. We've had, we've had intense teaching. But what we need is not just word today. We need the life of that word. Amen. We need to be able to declare he's not just a book He's not just a tape. Right. Amen. It's not just about a religious system. It's not about new buildings. It's not about big gatherings. It's about him and his life. Right. Amen. We can't do it by word only. In the Easter seal, Brother Branham said, Easter, I have stamped it in my own heart as the greatest event of the year the greatest event of the year. Let me tell you, friends, because we're living in the Easter of all Easters, we're living in the greatest event ever. That's right. Perhaps it's, a, as I said, the greatest event of all time. now. And I want you to say, not only the event that happened 2,000 years ago, not the celebration today, where thousands, Jay, millions of preachers are talking about a past event. But this morning, we're not talking about a past event. Right. Amen. We are talking about a present event. We are in another Easter. It is another resurrection hour. Amen. It's Easter. If I could get it across the church, I'm not talking about your calendar. I'm not talking about the day set aside. I'm talking about this day, this hour, this time we're living in. It's Easter. It's resurrection hour. It's rapturing time. It's the last days. It's the greatest event of all time happening right now. And you're a part of it. Amen. You may be at this moment sad, disillusioned, you know, confused. You know, well, he said he was a prophet, and, and he said he would do this, and, and time has went on, and we thought this would be, whoa, what would deliver us, and and, and, and where is this promised rapture? And maybe you're all confused and wondering and, and pondering and sad and disheartened, but I want to announce to you this morning again, it's Easter! Oh, man, he's risen. Hallelujah. Some are going the other way and disillusioned and on their way to Emmaus, but I'll tell you, ever see the God he's going to find, and he'll find you this morning. Amen. No matter where you are, perhaps for a moment, let's take and go back in our thinking for a little bit. You know, before Jesus' coming, there had been great men. There had been great mighty prophets like Moses, Elijah. There had been teaching priests like Ezra. There had been kings like David and Solomon and great leaders. But finally the day arrived for mankind to be delivered from the tyranny of sin. And the same is true. I want to I wanna just compare the two Easter's, because as I've been saying, we are in an Easter. There was an Easter. We have been in an Easter. We are now in an Easter. So let's, let's compare that with today. The same is true of today. There have been great moves of God in the past. There's been a Luther and Wesley and Finney and Moody and Wigglesworth and Bosworth and, and more... Everybody maybe have their favorites of great men of God down to the ages that you could call their names. But there must come an Easter where the church moves in the power of the resurrection. Like Brother Branham said today, he compared the bride with the church As two cars, and he said both of them are shiny, right off the assembly line, filled with gas of the highest octane. But one with 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 only mechanics, a great machine with no dynamics, and the other with both dynamics and mechanics. It's kind of like a bird takes two wings to fly. Amen. You got to have the word and the spirit. You got to have the mechanics and the dynamics. And by the way, Brother Branham said, as far as, as, as the movement, as far as where he was, as far as the ages past, we have put too much stress on the mechanics, and I put nothing on the dynamics. Right, come on. That's it. Come on. No wonder the church doesn't get off the ground, spins around and around and around with this little one-wing dance. Word, word, word. We got the word. We're the word. We're the word bright. We're the word people. Amen. We're, we're the, and, and all that's true. Right. But what good of it if, if the other wing isn't there? Right. Spinning around and around the circle of Malachi 4. Malachi 4. God sent a prophet. Revelation 10, 7. The seven seals are open. We're in the seven seals. What is all your noise about? Unless the dynamics are there with the mechanics to make the church rise in faith, rise in glory, rise in power, rise in resurrection faith. Amen. And his brother Branham would look back. He says, there have been churches, churches, brides, brides, churches, brides, brides. But there's got to come one. Amen, hallelujah. There's got to come a real bride. Now listen, church, he, didn't, he wasn't saying, there's got to come a, a, an, another message, there's got to come another prophet. He was saying there's got to come a bride. Amen, exactly. Amen. there's got to come one that's not only got the mechanics, but the dynamics of it and makes that church live and move in the power of the resurrection. Exactly. So until we come to that place, until we find that place. What good does it do to polish the hubs? I mean, what good does it do to give her a facelift? Or a, or he says a Simonized job. Which is a polishing job. When, when, when there's no dynamics to it. No, no matter how much the mechanics prove to be right. There's got to be a dynamics to make it work. True. Amen. Now. Before Jesus came, there had been great men. There had been a Moses, a lawgiver, an Elijah, the restorer. There were the songs of David, the wisdom of Solomon, the prophecies of the prophets. But now came the word that they were all reflecting. And it was all bottled up now in the man Christ Jesus. If I could say it this way, and paraphrasing this from the Easter seal, he said, before there had been prophets on the earth who had prophesied before him, and they had healed the sick, raised the dead, done great signs that Jesus did. I remember, the Easter proved it. It sealed or authenticated the word forever. For the true believer, all gloom and doubt were shattered at that blissful morning. Amen. Men who had been shut up as it was in a prison house. Even religious people before this day because it's seen great religious moves and movings of the Holy Spirit and so forth. But when a man died, it just seemed to settle it. You know, man, you know, Moses died and it just seemed, you know, well, his law and all of that fades as a great event in history when the Spirit of God had come down upon the mountain and carved it out in stone. Joshua died and then Israel went into doing whatever man thought was right in his own eyes. But when Jesus came, he said, I have the power to lay my life down. And I have the power to take it up again. Moses couldn't say this. Amen. Joshua couldn't say this. Jeremiah couldn't say this. But Jesus said it. And then he proved what he said. And, Brother Bradley, said, to me, that was the seal of it. When something is said and then it's turned around and proven amen if that had not happened well Jesus would have just been a boaster someone who made great claims but had nothing to back it up but I want you to know it wasn't just great claims that day on that Easter morning amen he had laid his life down and now was raising it up again and the days of Jesus, you know, were very supernatural times that parallel our time. They were the closing of the Old Testament and an old covenant. We're the closing of a new covenant. How many believe that we're in the closing of the new covenant? That we're the last age and the final voice to the final age. The days of Jesus was a very supernatural time where heaven was pouring out his message. I want you to understand, this is why even even, um, Peter could pull that prophecy right there, that God was pouring out his spirit. (laughs) Now, heaven was pouring out his message. An angel appears to Zechariah. Now, it had been thousands, almost hundreds at least, of years Since there had been a real visitation of the supernatural. If you know between Malachi, the last book in our Bible, and the opening of the New Testament, it seems a very short distance because all that you do is just flip a page from Malachi to Matthew. But in there lays hundreds of years. And, and there, you know, all of a sudden, after a long winter time, after a long series of drought, of not hearing the voice of God, seeing an angel of God, it seemed like God had forgot his promise. But I want you to know God never forgets a promise. And when he starts something into action, it will continue. There may be seasons like between Jesus 12 years old and coming out at 30 years old. There was seasons that we we don't see anything happening. We don't see anything moving, but it was moving anyway. Things was maturing, moving into place, getting ready for the appearing of of the the forerunner, and then would come the the Messiah right behind him. Now, here, there, at that moment in time, suddenly appears to Zechariah, a priest of the lineage of Levi. And he's there, and it's his course to go in and offer um, the, uh, the, the sacrifice and, and, the, and, the, and the incense to be poured out. And it's his job to, to, to pour this out and, and to, to let the, the prayers of the people who are under expectation for Messiah, and they're crying, Lord, send your Messiah, Lord, send your Messiah. Lord, send that. Israel is expecting a child. My Elizabeth, you know, she has also been longing for a child. And she has been crying to God day after day, months after months. And now she's past age and maybe her prayers are less fervent and maybe she's given up. Maybe it's hopeless now. And maybe it's as her time with women is now ceased and has been for years. And all of a sudden here an angel appears, appears to, to Zechariah. And there, you know, uh, the, the angel begins to give a message and says, God is anointing and sending out a forerunner and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And the angel disappears, and then and then there are visitations uh, to to Mary uh, of Gabriel, who comes to her and says, "You know, you're a, you're a highly favored, and you're going to bring forth a child, and his name shall be called Jesus." And and the, the message comes, and then the visitation comes, and the anointings hit Elizabeth, and it hits Mary as she gives a salutation and to Elizabeth, and the prophecies come forth. And Anna and Simeon, as they all prophesy of what God is doing, right. angels break through the dimensions to shepherds. And John comes on the scene as a forerunner, announcing, There's one among you, and he's here, he's here. You know, standing among you somewhere. And there, then a light, like a dove, then a voice comes out of heaven. And then it uh, it uh, anoints a, a, a man, a little carpenter, a little carpenter's son. And there he is baptized in the water. And the dove feels him. And he's led of the Spirit and anointed now. And then he moves out into his ministry. And at that time, there becomes a, a decreasing of the messenger as he moves off the scene and his message is now in flesh as Jesus begins to demonstrate God to the world. Are you with me? Amen. As Brother Brad would say, and what is the attraction on the mountain? Is it about that time the prophet turned and said, behold, there comes the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, what is the attraction? And he said it's changed from the prophet to his prophecy. You see, it was just continuing an unfolding of the same angelic visit. Are you with me? Amen, it, it moves there from, you know, there upon Zechariah, moving upon Elizabeth, moving upon Mary, moving upon Simeon, moving upon Anna, moving on John, moving now, and comes now, and the prophecy, here it comes in Jesus Christ. Right. Right. Now, these junctions are so hard for people. You find people even over years later in Acts 19 who had missed the junction. They were disciples of John, but they didn't know Jesus and his resurrection. They were baptized of John, but didn't know the one he pointed to. You know, I, it's hard some for me sometimes to, to grasp how that men could stand there and see Jesus pointed out of the one who, uh, who John said, I bear witness, I saw the drug come on him. And how, how then, uh, you know, w- w- would there still be disciples of John and baptizing with John and, and still carrying on? And even a group of John's disciples, some many years later, who, who, who didn't know Jesus, who didn't know his resurrection who didn't know the power of the Holy Ghost, who didn't even know the correct water baptism, didn't even recognize the one he was pointing to. They had idolized the man. They had idolized his boldness. They thought they were ready for the Messiah, but they didn't know the Messiah had come was already crucified and ascended and sent back his Holy Spirit and changed forms again. By the time those in Acts 19 caught up, he had already changed forms again. He was no longer in the man of Galilee. Now he was in a multi-membered body. The same Jesus and the effects of the angel had just moved forward now into a church. We hear them today still talking about the forerunner who brought the message. They're still enamored, infatuated to the point of enchantment about the forerunner, and they've never ever seen the one he was pointing to. This is true about Jesus. Even today, men are enchanted with the man of Galilee they are talking about the resurrection. Easter sermons, being preached everywhere. He's not dead, he's risen, he's risen. And they're talking about the resurrection. But I want to say for real, if Jesus had only risen and that had completed everything, we would still be in our sins. Hallelujah. That resurrection power Had to come in the hearts of the church. Amen. Amen. They had to be participants in the resurrection themselves. Not just seeing him come out of the tomb. Not just witnessing the angel. But they themselves received the eternal life on the inside that happened on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Ghost came like a like a mighty rushing wind and a pillar of whipping fire. And the angel of the Lord, the angel of his presence came down and ascended into every heart. You see, they had to participate in the resurrection. They had to become the resurrection. Also, not just know that he rose from the dead, that's knowledge. Not just to know that, but to know they had risen with him. And that's what Jesus pointed to. Remember, Jesus, he pointed him to something. He did not point back to his cross or to the tomb he pointed ahead to the city of Jerusalem to, and he said go and wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high until you yourself get this resurrection power on the inside of you until you become the Easter Amen. see he was crucified by the church world Crucified and put in a tomb. On the third day, he rose, bringing with him the Old Testament saints, ascended into heaven with him. Then 50 days later, his Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. Notice, there in the upper room, the resurrection happened again. As the quickening power struck 120, and they were filled with the Spirit of Jesus the Holy Ghost now God was in his church like I said before before he was there in in Jesus Christ we can even go beyond that we can see the angel of God moving in John the Baptist now we see it's here and it's moved and it's now moving into Jesus Christ now it moves from Jesus right into the church (laughs) now The same Jesus, not another Jesus, but the same Jesus is working through a multi membered body called the church. And they were resurrected from death to life. It was a spiritual resurrection. Ephesians 2 and 5, Paul begins to teach this and expound and explain. He said, Even when we were dead in sins, we were dead, just as dead as Jesus was in the tomb. We were dead in sins and hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Well, that word quicken means made alive. With together with Christ and hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That was the church. Now, unfortunately, just as it happened with Israel receiving their Pentecost where the law came to them 50 days after. And they would finally disintegrate into an ahoring group of people and become away and scattered. Even so, the second eve, like the first eve, Satan got into the book of Acts church. In the time of waiting, in the time of tarrying, now it changes form like a seed planted, and it changes form, and out of the seed comes life. But it's now in a different form. It's not in seed form. It's now in a little leaf. And it starts to push its way up through the soil. Roots begin to go down. And so the same thing would happen with the church. But Satan would get in the in the Book of Acts church, come and saying, We don't need this here shouting. We don't need speakers and tongues. What we need to do is we need word and we need to take that word and tweak it. And tweak the gospel. And they tweaked it until God was no longer one but three. And they tweaked it until Jesus was no longer the intercessor, but Mary. And they tweaked it until the days of miracles were not present, but past. And soon the experience of the real baptism of the Holy Ghost was lost from the church. And the power was gone, and the church plodded along in dead forms as they put Christ back in the tomb. like they did with the body of Christ they you know took the body that had been mangled by Roman creeds and spiced it made it to smell good and dressed it and prepared it for death but then came the age of reformation with Luther and Wesley and then Azusa street and the seasons were changing. I want you to know Easter is always at a time when seasons are changing. Right now you hear the news that in Louisiana we're having storms that are coming across this area. Because it's like as winter is trying to make its last hurrah and push spring back. We have the flowers and blooms. We have crops that are being planted. We have trees that are budding out. And the pecans, which is the last of the, of the, of the trees, be, are already now beginning to bud. But then a, a war in the heavens is, is trying to make its final stand. And in those moments are tornadoes and storms and winds and hail and rain and fierceness. But no matter what it trumps, it can never push spring back. Right. Amen. It's coming on anyhow. Amen. Hallelujah. Because the sun has set it into motion. Right. Amen. And the rays of light and the days have got longer. And no matter what the clouds tried to do and the winds tried to do, it will never bring it back. Amen. Amen. It can never stop spring from coming. And I just want to tell you, church, no matter what kind of storms are out there, no matter what kind of demons that we are facing, no matter what kind of age and a ruthless and godless age that we're in, he can they can never, ever put Christ and his bride back in the tomb. Amen. can never stop Easter amen because here we're at the changing of the season and it is the rising of the sun and the light is shining amen oh how we are today today arise and shine for thy light is come and his glory has been seen upon you there is no way that they can ever stop it Comes the age of Reformation with Luther, Wesley, Azusa Street. The season is changing. Suddenly a forerunner comes like John the Baptist. This is not only testified on the Ohio River where Brother Branham is preaching and and baptizing his 17th person. And there the voice comes out of heaven saying it's John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. You're sent with a message to forerun His second. It was not only there, but the Pentecostals, they would prophesy the same thing over and again, standing in the meetings. never heard the prophecy before, and would begin to prophesy the Spirit falling upon men and women, and they prophesying under the anointing. as John the Baptist. And of course, it would be, after that happened in 1933, that an angel appears in 1946, and restoration begins. Now would you to understand, there have been times of reformation, but this is not a reformation. This is a restoration. Amen. The season was changing as a forerunner comes and, and an angel visit and restoration begins. And soon, not only is it John the Baptist with the ministry of Elijah, but also we begin to see the very ministry of Christ is repeated again. Right. Right. What was it? Not only was the tomb sealed. Revelation 5 shows a book that was sealed. Without its opening, all is lost. Unless it's given back to man, it's all for nothing. Calvary is for nothing. The resurrection is for nothing. Amen. Just as if Jesus just resurrected and appeared to his disciples, raised the dead of the ages, but didn't send a resurrection and a change for those waiting at Pentecost, it would have been all for nothing would have meant nothing to us and the 120 or even us today. (coughs) Notice the seventh seal was breaking. It was open breaking the silence of his coming. There was the revelation of it certainly that we received in this day but there was an actual time where that we are in that time of that seventh seal where the where the coming of the Lord is in manifestation. And this coming would begin, it would actually begin, we can really really see it take form as a forerunner comes on the scene with signs and wonders and miracles, things that are happening. Revelation 8, 1 says, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them that were given seven trumpets. Notice there was a time that is represented by half hour of silence. It's symbolic that there would be a time that something was silenced that was kept back from the church. That the church would go through these days, can I say, ages of silence Amen. Where the mysteries of God would wait until the end time. But finally another angel come and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And was to given him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came up with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it to the earth. Notice what's happening in the heavenly realms now comes down to the earth. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. And seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now, we can look right here in our day and know that incense has been mixed with the prayers on the altar. And they have been received before God, just like in the days of Zechariah. There were many offerings of incense, many days, many years, year after year after year. But this day was different. This day an angel stood there and he said, God's heard your prayers. The incense has reached God. The prayers have come into his presence and now is the time to fulfill this promise. I'm sending the forerunner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The thing there that they'd wonder about all their lives, now the silence is broken. Now it's no more silence. Things begin to happen. Things begin to materialize and take place. And now comes the appearance of the, the angel and, and starts to John, starts a chain of events like an explosion that never stops. Starts there with the angel coming to, to Zechariah, moves on to Elizabeth, or to Mary, and then Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, to, and on and on and on, as it keeps on moving, expanding, expanding, until it brings the Messiah on the scene, until it brings the death, the burial, the resurrection, and brings the Holy Ghost right there on the day of Pentecost. And this is what God is doing in this last day as the prayers of the saints that have prayed for this day and prayed for this hour. Let me tell you, church, we're no longer in the days of silence. We're in the days of the voice. Amen, where God has sounded out his word. And there have been thunders and lightning and earthquakes and upheavals in the world. And even we're experiencing right now. But I just want you to know, it's God breaking the silence. Yes. As it moves from one phase to another. Now the same in our day. The church has looked for, for the return of Jesus Christ. He's been expectant. Elizabeth was expecting. Israel was expecting. Amen. And, and, and now his word was about to be fulfilled. The, and it comes with it, begins, initiates with the coming of an angel. And, and, then, and then, of course, today, same in our day, the, the thing the church has been looking for. We have been under expectancy like Israel for 2,000 years. Right. Seven Gentile church ages. Amen. We've been looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And for his coming for a mature church. Without spot right. or Hallelujah. And before we can meet him in the air. And receive that promised son. The church has got to be ready. There's got to be a virgin spoke to. There's got to be an angel appear to her and give her the greetings and say, you're chosen to bring forth Christ back to this age. And I want you to know, friend, that's what this angel was sent to do. It was to tell you, you have been selected, you have been chosen, you have been ordained, you have been called for this hour and there's great favor upon your life. Because you are the age, the people, the time to bring forth the promised son. Amen. Yes. But to do that, there has to be an angel here I bring a message. So therefore, in 1946, the world is stunned by the claims of a little Kentucky preacher. As they see it vindicated avindicated sealed vindicated by signs and wonders as an angel comes to humble man of god little did we know but that coming would be manifested and we would see in the coming of that ministry we would see both the ministry of elijah as john the baptist the forerunner and the ministry of christ All wrapped up in one messenger and vindicated by signs and wonders. Now I want to to get a picture now. Remember, there in the days of Jesus, it would be it would be John and Jesus. But I want you to know in this ministry in this last day, it would be both ministries: the ministry of John, a prophet, and the ministry of Christ. Wrapped up in one ministry, as God promised that in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he begins to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. Now, and he said, Now, as Moses was given two signs, the angel, as I said, would appear to Brother Branham at the age of, uh, of 37, and there in an old cabin. Speaking to an angel, here, here, this angel would appear. He would walk. Light would shine. Walk out a two hundred pound like man, standing with his arms folded, no beard, hair down his shoulder, olive complexion, and look there at Brother Branham and say, "I've come to tell you about your misunderstood life and your mysterious ways. Don't fear." I'm sent from the presence of God. And he would begin to explain to him and give him his commission. And said, as Moses was given to sign. Now, why is Moses? Because we're in another exodus. Remember, the first Easter, Easter is really Passover. So the first Passover was in Egypt. Come on. Now your, your next Passover, which is of significance, is now in, in um, uh, Jerusalem. And there at the Passover, the Lamb, the true Lamb of God is offered. But I want you to know, we're in another Easter. Right. Amen. Without that Easter, back yonder in the days of Moses, Jesus would not have been possible. There had to be a people that were expecting the Messiah. There had to be laws that were given out of whom would come a virgin. There had to be everything set in place for the Messiah to come. Somebody with me? Then that, that Passover gave way to another Passover. Now, here we are in another Passover. Amen. Today is another Easter, as I'm saying, as I'm preaching. It's Easter, church. Amen. I'm here now in this time. An angel comes. And he gives two signs as he gave to Moses. He said, now you've got to get the people to believe. And these signs are going to be to get your people to believe. And, and to get them out of Egypt into the promised land. And so the sign would now be given. And, and, and the first was a sign in his hand. As he would take. The, 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 the person by their, by their right hand and he would hold it with his left and, and it would show a sign in the hand Just Moses would show the sign in the hand puts it in the bosom and out comes leprosy and put it back in and it's healed and, and so it, this would be the sign and he says but if they don't believe the first sign they will believe the second sign And the angel tells him, and the second sign will be greater than the first. If you'll stay humble and sincere, it'll come to pass. You'll be able to tell by vision the very secrets of the heart. And then the people will have to believe you. Amen. This will initiate the gospel in power. I want you to get these words. This will initiate the gospel in power that will bring on the second coming of Christ. Amen. An angel's visit initiates the second coming. As an angel visit, you know, initiated the coming there to Zechariah. Now an angel comes in and initiates the coming with signs and wonders, trying to get our hearts to believing. Amen. Amen. Come on. Sarah, before you can receive your your promised son, you got to start believing. Amen. You got to be turned from unbelief to faith. Come on, you got to start believing. You're the people is coming through. Amen. That the promise is yours, and this coming of the angel ushered us in to the coming of the Lord. It initiated, showing us that Christ was back in the church. Doing the same things he did when he was here 2,000 years ago. This is what Jack Moore, uh, you know, a friend of my family that we went to his church when I was a boy and visited there. And was in Brother Braden's meetings. But he would write and he would say these words. Bible days are here again. Here's a man that not only, not only does he... Um, uh, preach what we preach but he demonstrates what we preach he practices he's actually it's actually happening what we've been preaching what was it God was showing us that Christ was back in the church again after uh, doing the same things that he did 2,000 years ago making those preachers declare Bible days are here again and that resurrection was, uh, and a resurrection was happening out of dark, dead denominationalism, and signs and wonders were being done in the name of Jesus Christ. And as Moses was given new signs, of so God had promised to give two signs to show that Jesus Christ was here present. Right. Not a dead God, not a ritualistic form. But Jesus Christ is saved yesterday, today, and forever. 1946, it went out with the first sign in the hand and and then then, the announcement of the angel. Of all the ministries that went out, only William Branham could say, I have a gift that was ordained and administered to me by an angel. Only night after night was the pillar of fire present in his meetings night after night it would show he was present like i said you know some people actually saw it some people saw the form of an angel some saw the pillar of fire one thing they all had to say is nothing but the truth it never fails it always happens Right. right amen what he says is always the truth Amen. There's not a margin of error in it. That's what they all had to say. But maybe, but there were others like me. I didn't see the angel. I didn't see the light. But I saw the effects. I saw it as people were were changed by the presence of the angel, and their heart was discerned. And 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 there, their their they're, they're very um. Uh, their very facial expressions were changed as they come into the presence of that angel. And, and there was the announcement of the angel that, and then the blind could see, and the deaf could hear, and those who were in prison were set free as crippled walked, and deaf heard and cancers were delivered. And I want to just make you remember. God specifically made sure we understood that cancer is defeated. Amen. That nothing can stand before our prayers when we believe, not even cancer. Amen. The first sign had been in existence for nearly three years. The blind could see, the deaf heard, cancers healed. <clears throat> All kinds of inconceivable miracles would happen. On July 24th in 1949, in Regina, Saskatchewan, before 10,000 people, that night a middle-aged woman stood before Brother Branham. The pillar of fire was hanging over, Brother Branham could see that melon light and said, as he noticed, she was anxious and a bit nervous, said, now, don't be nervous. That's the presence of the Lord. And suddenly, as he was speaking to her, trying to reassure her, a vision broke. And, and she began moving further away from him. And he said, I, I see you becoming much younger than this. Oh, you're, it's like a, a, now a classroom. Well, it's you, and you're sitting at a school desk. And, oh, there's a a, a pin comes flying across the room and strikes you in the eye. And you have been blind ever since in that eye. And the woman began to scream out and says, you know, that was me. That was my me. I was that little girl. I've been blind in, in my eyes since a little child as she settled down a minute because that jolted him out of the vision brother Branham suddenly was back in the world of the auditorium there and stood for a moment And the, then the vision began again and he said I see you again you're, you're again much younger than you are now but older than what you were there I, you, you used to wear your hair and braids and he said I see the braids and the ribbons around two braids. Oh, he says, I see a yellow dog now comes running after you and you're scared. And then you're running and you're running up some steps. And, uh, and, and just as you get up on the porch, an older woman, looks like your mother, opens up the door and you, you run inside and, and she screams out, I was me, Brother Branham. I, I haven't thought of that for years. And again, Her exclamation brought him out of the vision, and as he stood there for a moment, looking back and looking around, looked down at her hand that he was holding, and he says, I see you now. I I see a lady walking very slowly, very slowly. Sister, it's you. You're struggling to climb some steps at a white house. There's something wrong with your back. I see you can't get up those steps. And now I see you lean over a flower bed to your right, and you're crying. And you said, if I can ever get to Brother Brandon's meeting, it'll all be over. And at that that moment, the woman fainted on the platform. But some usher standing by caught her and gently uh, helped her to the floor. At that moment, Brother Baxter runs to the microphones and said, Brother Branham. This is the second sign. The angel told you about God is visiting his people. And, and suddenly the woman there laying on the platform uh, sits up and then gets up off her feet and and, and there she her eye suddenly becomes open and she can see and, and she runs off the platform dancing and shouting around, healed. A young man jumps up out of the, out of the um, audience, he hobbles up on crutches toward the platform and, 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 and the ushers stop him. And, and, and Brother Branham kindly says to him, boy, you have to get back and get a prayer card and, and wait your turn. And the boy, the young man begged and said, just tell me what to do, Brother Branham. That's all I want you to do, tell me what to do. And Brother Branham said, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. And his voice kind of trailed off. And suddenly he saw a bus with Regina Beach, Beach prominently displayed over the front windshield. He said you come from Regina Beach this morning, didn't you? And you came by bus. And I see a man or a, and a woman telling you that you can't go. He said, it's your mother and your father. The boy said, that's right. So I see another man who, who looks like your father loaning you some money enough to make the trip. said, yes, that was my uncle. Now I see you in a room looking out of a bay window. He said, that was my house, my aunt's house. Brother Brandon, what must I do? He said, do you believe with all your heart? He said, yes, I believe with all my heart Jesus Christ is here. He said, then drop your crutches and stand on your feet. Jesus Christ has healed you. And down went to both crutches, clattering on the floor. And he took one step, two, three, hands raised in air. And he went shouting, giving God praise. And the crowd went to a frenzied praise. and And, and, and you see... It it came to pass, just like God said to Moses if it will come to pass, if they don't believe the first sign, they will hearken to its voice. They will believe the voice of the latter sign. And and I I just want to show you, church, it was all done to get us to believe, to be able to recognize, like we do with the wimbos that. The wind is blowing because the tree is moving. And because we saw time after time after time that God was moving in the church, it showed us he's here, he's here, he's here, he's present, he's present. Are you with me? Amen. Now, this was more than one of the nine spiritual gifts that any believer can have. This wasn't a word of knowledge. It was a sign to get the people to believe the message And it's the same sign that Jesus used to get the people to recognize his messiahship. It fits exactly the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now notice, it was the ministry of John the Baptist, but now it's also the ministry of Christ. Notice, because it's exact ministry. Jesus said in John 5, 19, the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do, which means Jesus saw each miracle before the fact. And why not? Because to Almighty God, the future and the past are just as clear as the present. You remember in the Bible when Jesus needed to eat the Passover, he sent Peter and John ahead, and he said, go go to the city. You're going to meet a man with a pitcher of water. Go follow him. And wherever he goes in, you say to good men of the house, my, the master says, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? and he'll show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. They're made ready for us. Same thing would happen when Philip brought his brother Nathaniel to the master. Jesus said of him, Behold, an Israelite in whom there's no guile. Nathaniel's said, them, um, when did you know me? Well, what do you know about me, master? And he said, well, before Philip called you under the victory, I saw you. And these visions would give Jesus penetrating insight that he could see the past as easy as the future. John 1 declares that Jesus was the Word made flesh. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, for the Word of God is quick And and that means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of heart. And neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Jesus met the woman at the well the visions made it necessary to go through Samaria. He started having a conversation with her. He asked her for a drink. He talked to her long enough to catch her spirit. And then he said, bring your husband and, and come here. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, but you have five and the one you're living with is not your husband. And astonished, she says, well, well, you know, I, I perceive you're a prophet. You know, I know when the Messiah comes, he's he, which is called the Christ. He will tell us these things, and and he, he he said, "I am He," and you see, this was a sign of a prophet. You know, we we only have the the minor um, uh, parts of this story, but. Maybe the whole story went, perhaps Jesus even named the names of all the men that she had been with and why that she left him and her unworthy feelings that she had and all of the abuse and the things that she had went through. Because we'll only get a little snapshot of it, but Jesus had told her enough that she knew that this was the Messiah that she recognized the Messiah's sign. And Jesus said, I am he. Now this was the sign of a prophet, but this was also the sign of a Messiah. And and Brother Branham was a prophet, and the gift identified him as such. Are you with me? Amen. But he wasn't the Messiah. Amen. But it showed that the Messiah was present. The word was present and a prophet had come to show the world that Christ indeed is alive and there's no tomb of man can hold him. Hallelujah. If I look back at the types just for a moment and the types and the shadows before us, there was Abraham received Promise after promise after promise. As Israel had received prophet and kings and prophets and great men and whatever. And and Abraham had received promise after promise. He was justified, called out from the heathen, sanctified, taught how to build an altar and offer blood back to God. He there received the Holy Ghost in type under El Shaddai in type of the Holy Ghost. Receives a new name no longer called Abram but Abraham. And then then God comes down in the form of a man under the trees of Mamre. And there the mysteries are revealed. He tells him what will happen down in Sodom. He tells him about the the resurrection, the, the Easter that's promised to Sarah. Come on, stay focused amen he, he tells him about all of these things that, that are happening and says okay sarah you're going to have an easter sodom you're going to have a burning lot you're going to be called out That's right. amen you'll be called out of the tribulation abraham sarah you won't even have a part in the tribulation hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. There the mysteries are revealed. Judgment is pronounced. Sarah's heart is discerned and the message of the promised son comes to her. Let's look at it in Genesis 18 and 9. I don't think, it, uh, even if it seemingly slows us down for a minute to read, I think it's still pertinent to read the word of God. Genesis 8 and 18 and 9. And they said to him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold in the tent. And he said, "I will certainly turn unto thee, return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son." And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure? And will my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, I ah, shall I of surety bear a child which am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's the question you got to answer. At that time, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Amen. I, I want you to hear the words that are penned eternally. Are you with me now? Amen. Pay real close attention. The angel had visited. The angel was telling, of the, uh, bringing a message. Sarah, you're going to have a child. Church, you're going in a rapture. Right. Amen. Sarah's wondering, how is this going to be? We haven't had a move of God uh, that would really give us rapture and faith all of these years. Amen. Now I'm old. How can I ever have that kind of pleasure? Come on. Amen. Here she's in a condition of unbelief. Figuring it'll never happen. It'll never happen. Oh, it's just words. Oh, it's slow. It's the second coming of Christ. All kinds of jokes are being made about it. Right. Amen. But now here appears an angel. Amen. Right. Are you with me? Yes. And an angel starts initiating the coming of the Son. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mind now, he's got to turn Sarah's heart. So he discerns her heart. He tells her what she's been thinking in the tent behind him. Right? Now, notice it's the same thing, it's the Messiah sign. Discerning the thoughts, it's showing the word is not present, and the word now reveals the mystery of Sarah, the mystery of Sodom, the mystery of Lot. Amen. But I want to get something to you that, that is said twice in here. Let's go back in this and I want you to see this. And he says in verse 10, and I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. So now he promises The son, he gives a promise, but he promises a return. Now, if you look down here, I'm talking about the angel now. The angel promises a return. Then he comes there and he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Verse 14, at the time appointed, I will return. Now, when God says something twice... That means like Jesus did say, verily, verily, he is emphasizing, he is making an oath, he is making an irrevocable promise. Amen. Now, church, I want you to understand, we're here at the end time. Sarah was having an Easter. She was having a resurrection. Come on, she was having a change. It was a season of change. It was a time of a birth of a child. Are you hearing me? An angel was announcing that he was coming. Hallelujah! Amen. But now, notice. Now let's bring it down to our time. We have had a prophet. We have had an angel come. We have had a message. And it is said, it is said, you're going to bring forth a child. Amen. And we've been grappling with our unbelief. Who, me, how can we do it in this age? It's the worst age there is. And look here, Laodicea, look at all what's going on. Look at the trouble in the land. Look at the problems everywhere. It's an age of greater unbelief. But God starts doing things to get us to believe in. He sends signs and wonders He sends prophets, come on. He sends an angel with a message to turn our hearts back to believing again. Because we've got to get Sarah to believe before the promised son can come. Hallelujah. Now we've had all of that. And let me tell you something, friends. We are in the time, the appointed time, of the angels reappearing what you are seeing in the world today as you see demon powers moving you see the winds of storms shutting down the world you see things that are happening out there and the news is only telling you what Death is doing. But the Easter message is not about death, it's about life. Yeah. And the Easter message is saying if you see death, then you know there's got to come life. And if you see Satan and his angels at work in these demons and sickness and affliction, then you've got to see the angel of mercy and grace and love and the angel of promise and Michael who is like Jehovah stand up on the behalf of his people. Yes. You're only seeing half of the picture. Right. Because that's all the world can tell you is what they see but I'm not seeing death Amen. I'm seeing life right. I'm seeing an Easter I'm seeing we are in the moment in the time frame of the angel's return Amen. <laughs> Amen. notice this as I bring it down when he came when the angel come he revealed the mysteries right. he told about Sodom yes. there was a message down to Sodom Amen. come on Amen. There was a message of a rapture given, a hope that is created, a faith that is given. Amen. But when the angel comes again, it's not even recorded. It's not a public show. Hallelujah. The world don't even know about it. It is just a reappearing of the angel at the appointed time hallelujah amen i'm telling you we are in the moment of time of the returning of the angel not to bring more mysteries not to bring more teaching but to bring life in the body amen. to cause the dynamics amen to come because of the faith that is working up in sarah's heart Amen. Sarah, I will come to you and at the appointed time and you will have an Easter. You will have a restoration hour and I'll resurrect you from that old dead form you've been in. You've been dead all of these years but now, amen, life is in the body. Hallelujah. I believe the signs and the healing and the rejoicing that we have been experiencing are Easter signs. Yes. Amen. When you go out and you listen in the morning, I like to go out in the early morning, sit on my porch and hear all the rejoicing of the birds. And the singing that is going on. And I look and I see the signs of healing to nature. Oh, trees that have been dead Throughout the winter. And has been in a dormant stage. is now putting forth new life. Amen. Hallelujah. And I see signs of healing and rejoicing. Those are Easter signs. But I want to say the signs of healing and rejoicing that we're seeing among us are Easter signs. It's a sign that the bride is receiving strength. Last night, we watched the 2014 service at youth camp as we watched back in, what was it, 2013, and, and, and then uh, uh, different ones, I, I don't remember all of them all, but anyway, we, we've watched the different ones that, that have been ministered night after night, and, and we watched the 2014 service at the, at the youth camp, was that 14 or 16? 16 service at youth camp and and look back and we see miracles. Oh, yeah. Amen. Let me just say, Easter to us is an Easter eggs. Right. And rabbits and ducks that adorn our porch like backslidden religious people of the world. Amen. It's not a bunny tree full of Easter eggs. Right. Right. It's not something fake. Amen. It's not a myth. Amen. Let me tell you, Easter is not a myth. It's not a bunny story. It's not a hippity hop on the bunny tracks. And you might think that's cute. I don't think it's cute. No more than putting your child in Santa Claus's lap. Amen. But the church is backslidden. They've lost the power of God and the real meaning of Easter amen but Easter to us isn't Easter eggs and bunny rabbits and little ducks and little chicks but, but, but you know like the backslidden religious people of the world today but let me tell you what Easter means Easter means let me tell you there are signs of Easter let me tell you of a Mariah amen who wore a little white cap up onto the platform in that in that message last night and we watched her as she went forth bringing her little bobby pins. Yes. Amen. What does that mean? That is Sarah receiving strength because she judged him faithful who made the promise. Hallelujah. Our Easter sign is that alopecia is vanquished.
1: Amen.
0: Hallelujah. Alopecia is gone and glory of the Lord has returned to the church. That's what Easter means to us. It's not a dead form. It's not a creed. It's not a new theology. It's not a new teaching. Amen. But Easter is, he's alive. He's alive. He's not a dead God. He's a living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We watch Sister Connie followed by Sister Karen come up into that prayer line amen what Easter means to me amen is that what is the sign of Easter what is the sign that he's alive what is the seal what is the the authentication amen what is the authentication that the angel is present among us is that we're seeing signs of life among us Hallelujah, we see Sister Connie come through that prayer line. Is somebody with me now? Amen. Sarah Caduceus has filled her lungs and they're keeping her from being able to breathe. Amen. But she is living today because of an Easter. Amen. Because that we have declared he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the angel has returned. Amen. And the angel is present, not with a new doctrine, not with a new teaching, but with signs of life. Amen. Hallelujah. Not some boiled egg that you boil and boil and boil until it's so hard boiled there's no life in it. Colored up and decorated and offered as a sign of Easter. That's a sign of death. Even your plastic egg, that's a sign of death. There's no life in them. All these other things we're, we're sporting. You th- oh, it's cute. It's not cute. It's like a lie. It's just like Santa Claus is a lie. Exactly. Amen. But let me tell you. Let me tell you about an Easter sign. We got a sister Karen whose blood pressure today is still normal amen and menopause and the effects from it that cause a a significant brain bleed is gone and she's healed today and the blindness from her eyes is gone why why is that true because it's Easter we got a we got a sister Lana that was healed of Hodgkin's lymphoma and, and her hat that she raced around the building around around in that hat and she got that revelation of the quickening power took that little frail 90 something pound woman there and picked her up and run her around this building like an athlete and go back the next day healed by the glory of God with signs and proof that our God isn't dead but he's a living God
1: Hallelujah, what is that? Why is that?
0: Because it's Easter! Amen. I think of about a little tent meeting where that brother Ron Spencer's called back in to pray for a little girl in a wheelchair with limbs all deformed and, and crippled up. And there as he prays for her, the limbs snap apart and come apart and the little girl walks for the glory of God. Why did that happen? It's Easter. Today, Sister Lana's hair is back. She don't have to be wearing a cap that's a sign of death. She's wearing the glory that's a sign of life. Amen. We watched Esther last night come through the prayer line. Amen. She sent us a picture of her shoes. That night she had written on the bottom of her, the soles of her shoes, infertility. And went through that prayer line. She showed us a picture of her shoes today. Today. You cannot see a sign where she ever wrote infertility on the shoes. It's gone. Not only is it gone, she's pregnant. Amen. Now there's something more than a chick or a duck or a boiled egg or a bunny tree. Amen. It's life is in the body man, It's that barren womb that we pray. And why was it? Because an angel visited us. Amen. Right here in this church, an angel visited us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because of the angel's visitation, a word was released. It's Esther's time. It's Esther's season. Amen. And today she's showing a little bump of life. that's never been seen in her before. Why? Because it's Easter. We watched Sister Jessica Martin come through and I was a part of that vision. She come through the prayer line. Brother Ron had waited until she got there. She would be about the last one he prays for that day. In that prayer line, and he stops her and says, I have a word of the Lord for you. Your son's coming home. Brother Timothy and I would go to a meeting a little later in time. I'm not sure exactly when, but he feels the boy gives a testimony. Actually, his wife gives a testimony. Both of them give a testimony of how that God saved them. But anyway, Caleb comes, comes uh, and is invited to the meeting. Decides to come that night. Got visitors, got brother Timothy, brother Tim, and and they come to the meeting. And in that meeting, amen. He came home. Amen. Why? Wow, an angel visited. A message came. Amen. Saying it's Easter. Amen. Caleb, you don't have to live in sin any longer. You yourself can have an Easter, be resurrected from death into life. Are you with me? Amen. Oh, my. You, you know, time, my thing after thing that we can talk about today. Where God's signs of life is upon this bride your men minister sincere as they can be trying their hardest to put the quotes together try to understand they're misapplying things taking things brother Branham said before it was divided and given to the 144,000 in the church instead of the bride instead of about the plagues and so on like that and they got it all misconstrued and and they see what brother Branham said we need a move of the Holy Ghost and then they turn it around and say you see but it's a teaching And I say, church, it's not a teaching. The messenger came with the message. And the teaching has been given. The return of the angel does not bring teaching. Come on. It brings life to Sarah. Amen. Amen. It causes her a culmination of events that causes her to judge him faithful who had promised. And I want you, while you're sitting there quarantined in your own home, think about these things right now. Amen. That an angel has visited our generation to initiate the coming of the Lord and that angel has not lost interest. The angel is present. Hallelujah. And I want to just say, as we saw in the, our opening scripture, the angel still sits on the stone. Did you notice? He rolled away the stone and he sat on the stone. Amen. Hey what does that signify? Nobody will ever take this stone and close up the tomb again, sealing Christ away. And I want you to know, once this message has been released, it cannot ever go back. It can only go into fulfillment. Amen. Hell did his best to hold Jesus in the tomb. The grave did his best to corrupt him. But it's Easter. Amen. Easter proved he was not only the Word, but he was God himself, the dynamics in the Word. God is still God. As I'm trying to bring this down to close today, I want to say God is still God. The sign of the Son of Man showed us the Word was here in power again. That it was not just dead theology, but it was something that lived. Now the office of Son of Man, prophet, is not here, but the ministry of the Son of Man continues. Notice the angel said, I will come again. I will visit again. I will come to you. Brother Branham says, I challenge you to believe that Jesus Christ is revealed in the form of Son of Man in human flesh through the, through the bride's body. Look where he's revealing himself now. Through the bride's body. Now, why, why, why now the bride's body? You know, we, we've been talking about the ministry of Christ being displayed. And we talk about a prophet and him him demonstrating the ministry of Christ. But let's go back in, in the day where Jesus was that God prophet and his ministry was manifested in Christ, right? But I want you to know on the day of Pentecost, it was not another spirit. Somebody help me preach. It was the same spirit that was in Jesus. Not another Jesus, the same Jesus, comes again in another form to, go, to dwell in another body, to work in another body, and to finish the work in another body, the same Jesus. Right. Amen. But now it's God and his people. <laughs> Amen. What we saw was the ministry of Christ, the word brought to us to a prophet in a prophetic office. It's no longer happening that way. Amen. Now it is being manifested in a bright body worldwide. Amen. Showing that the the traditions of men is dead and the Holy Spirit is right among us now, giving us life. You see, the angel vindicated this over and over again for us so we can be sure and see his resurrection sign. And I want to say today the clouds may have obscured the face of the sun for a while. My, this morning when we went out, it was a gloomy day. (laughs) The closer they, as I backed out of my garage and backed out into it, the day was so dark. It was so dark, we couldn't see the face of the sun. And the clouds may have obscured the face of the sun for a while. Even the next day after the angel's visit, maybe Sarah, after hearing whatever, maybe you don't even see a change in her, but something's happening. Yeah. Whether the day is now a good day or a bad day, whether it's robbers come to drove off some of the sheep or didn't, whether well, Sodom got worse and you hear of his burning, nothing changes. She has received a message. And there's something beginning to happen in her. And it begins with her believing. Believing, not that this is for Hagar, somebody else to fulfill, but it's for me to fulfill. And she begins to look upon herself as the princess. And she begins to dress like the princess. Because her name has been changed from Baron to princess. And she begins to identify herself with the name she's called. And now Abraham is calling her by the new name. He's calling her princess. Hey, princess, will you bring me a cup of coffee this morning? Hey, princess, will you do this? Princess, princess, come sit by me for a minute. And after a while, she begins to hear princess, 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 and she begins to believe, I'm a princess amen we've had message after message and i preached and it's been preached and the pulpit has preached and preached and preached with all kind of ministry you're the bride of Christ you're the chosen of God you're the elect of God you're the people of God come on somebody amen. and some of you hallelujah I hope all of you are starting to believe it amen. you're starting to say yeah mama that's me Hallelujah. And look, look here. I I, I may not feel like a princess. I, I may not, I may be old and wrinkled and not look like a princess, but I'm still a princess. Because he said, I'm a princess. He changed my name. And then she goes from there to where she starts believing and judging him faithful. Oh, could I get you today to start judging him faithful? You're looking and you're worried about how faithful this COVID-19 is going to be to kill all the old people. And you're hearing this news and that news and this problem and that one die, And you think, oh, it's faithful. It's faithful. Hey, yeah, they're going to do it. It's going to come on right now. Why don't you look away? from that and look to the faithful one this morning and judge him faithful if God initiated this message with an angel and showed time after time that he was concerned about the message and backing it up and he makes a promise to Sarah I'm going to make a reappearing And now we start seeing him start working. (laughs) What does that tell you? It's Easter. It's resurrection hour. It's the time for those that were dead in unbelief to start believing again. It's the coming of the angel announcing, he's risen early in the morning at the rising of the sun they go into the tomb and the seals are broken the Roman seals are broken the keepers are his dead men and I want you to get it we've had it in our day where the Roman seals on the book were broken false baptism false ideas false false teaching everything have been broken they're dead right. every one of them are dead man right. come on somebody there's no life in them and he said why are you seeking the living among the dead why are you looking out there for hope of revival revival isn't coming there revival is because he's risen if I can just get you to see he's not dead but he's alive and he's a healer he's a deliverer Oh, his countenance like lightning, his raiment white as snow, rose back the stone from the door and sat upon it. A young man, long clothed in a long white garment, said, Don't be affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. Yeah, they hung him on a Roman tree back then. Down through the ages, they hung him onto a Roman Catholic tree. But he's risen. He's not there. The angel's message is don't be afraid. You seek Jesus who was crucified, but he's risen. He's not here. You no longer have to expect a dead apostle's creed. Come on. You no longer have to 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 look for a form or ritual. He's risen. Amen. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. The angel sat upon the stone. No one's gonna seal Christ again. And I tell you, you're not going to find him in dead forms where days of miracles are past. Right. This is the Easter message. The Roman seals are broken. And Jesus ain't in dead forms. Religious system. And you won't find the living among the dead. He's not there. He's risen. Now let me bring it down to close. And I'm already, what, two hours into this. Yeah, right up two hours. Let me bring it down to close. I want to bring you back to one of my devotions this week since this has been going on. And as I was preparing my sermon this morning, I was reminded of the time, the only time, that Easter was written in the Bible. Did you know Easter is only in there one time? It was translated thus because by the time King James translated the Bible into English language, Easter, which was actually the name of a moon god in the celebration of her birthday. But by the time King James translated the Bible into English, the word Easter had become synonymous or interchangeable with the Passover. And if you look at the Greek word there, it doesn't say Easter, it says Passover. And this was written in the book of Acts chapter 12. And the devil decided to persecute the church and killed James and had arrested Peter, intending to bring him out for execution after Easter. How many remembers that? Now, look at our thing. We have been going through Daniel 12, Michael stands up. We've been over in Revelation, in Revelation 12, where Michael fights the dragon. Now then, we're over here in Acts chapter 12, and in Acts chapter 12, it's Easter. And the devil has his plans. Amen. Now, what starts out with big plans for the devil ends pretty dismal. Amen. Oh, yeah. He starts with big plans. He kills James. He arrests Peter. He's going to kill him. And, you know, he's going to stop the church. And, he, you know, all of these plans that he has. And it ends up with Herod dead, eaten with worms. And the Word of God is multiplied. Amen. I want you to look. That chapter begins bad, but it ends good. It ends, it starts with Satan's got a scheme against the church. But God's got another plan that you don't even see when Satan's plan's moving around. Now, so it's Easter. And Herod arrested Peter and going to bring him out for execution after Easter. Demons are gloating. Ah, this was a great victory. Hell has delighted in James' death. Now hell has moved to plan the death of Peter. Peter hold, has held the keys to the church, which he delivers to the church on the day of Pentecost. It's really too late because the keys to open it has been given. But he has plans for Peter. But God has other plans. Would you understand? The devil may have plans for your life. Yep. He may have you there, and you're under a, a a threat of death. You're going to be executed. But God's got other plans. Hallelujah! Now, in the middle of this, there's the church. The church hears of Peter's arrest. You know, they're like Peter's, like those that are in the ward with COVID-19. You know, you can't get to them. I read of people who dropped their husband, their son, their loved one off at the hospital for them to be taken into isolation, never to be seen again, put on a machine, and dead, body taken to a morgue. Crying, I couldn't get to him. I couldn't say my last goodbye. i give him the last hug. Say the last word. Peter was in, in, in isolation, quarantined. <clears throat> but there's a part that the church has got to play. Yep. And what this happens is this causes the church to start praying. Yep. Now, if you just stop and remember, you're not here to learn how to use your cell phone better. You're not even here for a new Zoom program where you can just kind of cue in on everybody, what everybody's doing, and have a better platform for social media. You're not here for fun and games. You're here, you're here at a time and you've been called to a time of prayer, time of consecration, a time set aside. The devil is threatening now to shut us down, shut the world down. But the church's part is to start praying, calling on God for deliverance. We need your deliverance. We need the return of the angel. Look, we saw the angel happening to Zechariah, to Mary. We saw them to the shepherds. We saw them, we saw them strengthen Jesus there and at Gethsemane. We see. We see the angel, He's the angels, heaven is backing it up. Heaven is working. Heaven is working behind the scenes, strengthening, helping the church. He's there. He's there uh, helping John and strengthening him, giving him a message. He's there anointing Jesus. Now Jesus is filled with the Spirit. And now at the Mount of Temptation, he's strengthened by angels. And there and there and at Gethsemane, strengthened by angels. And now the Holy Spirit comes as a pillar of fire. And the fire divides itself in the heavenly Spirit of God angelic portions of God feel to every person with the spirit of God. But now Peter needs an angel Amen. because he's in an impossible situation. Preachers can't help him. The other apostles can't help him. Nobody can get him out and the church starts praying and God sends an angel. Now we don't pray to angels, nor do we worship them, but we do ask God to send deliverance. And the Bible said, and the angel of his presence saved them. At times situations can look so bleak, circumstances of life made to look so impossible that the devil has an upper hand. But the power of prayer changes the situation. Amen. From something bad to something good. Look where it starts. Bad ends good. He's in prison. No one can help him. He's beyond the help of his friends. They can't reach him physically. He's under, kept under constant watch. Not only is he in prison behind iron bars, but he's in the inner prison behind now. There will have to be several gates to go through. He is not only there in that, but there are... Is a quadrant of soldiers that are watching him. There are two that are watching. There are two that he's chained to. And there, with, uh, there, there is four quarter nuns where, that are commissioned to guard him all night. And they will change out during the shifts of the night. So that every few hours he gets a fresh demonic visitation trying to hold him in prison. Maybe you're that way this morning. Seems like it never gets up. It comes in a wave after wave after wave. The news of James is death. Satan will take that and whisper in his ears all night long of what's going to happen in the morning. You know, there's, there seems to be no court of appeal. There's nothing but certain death. Because Herod is only thinking of his own popularity that he's found with the Jews by killing James. Every devil, every demon is gleefully wrapping their hands together and waiting for the moment that, that this preacher would be dead. Just wait until after Easter. After Easter, we got plans for him. Just wait till after Easter. Suddenly, in the darkness of the night, there comes a whipping, whirling fire as a light descending from the invisible realm of heaven's dimension and coming into the visible realm of the room. And out of the light steps an angel. Sound familiar? The angel commands for Peter to rise quickly. He smites him on the side. Amen. Oh, my. We can just stop for a moment. Oh, may it be this morning to come to smite you on the side of every bright moment. Remember. Amen. And you have that awakening moment that the angel has returned, that the angel is present. We see him here. He's done this. He's done that. He's done this. He's done that. Don't forget, in that service last night, as it began out, I told about the visit to Brother Ron's room where he was dying in the hospital. I've told you of the supernatural visitation where God raised him up from a dead state. Amen. He had an Easter. Are you with me? Amen. Well, then he walked little Drew across the platform in that very service that I had told about Drew and, and my wife and that healing. And walked little Drew as a proof, amen, that we were having an Easter. Amen. Hallelujah. There was Drew in his bright little spring type pajamas of red and bright flower walking across that. Platform, amen, proving that our God isn't dead, but He's a living God. And this is what happens when an angel sweeps through the womb and a little 18 month old boy gets off the middle of the floor by himself without pulling up on the bed and gets up and runs through the house. Amen. Because it's been seen in a vision and the Word of God can never be changed. All of a sudden from the angel's touch the chains fall off. Peter dresses quickly puts on his sandals, follows the angel out of the gates of the prison. Amen. The revolving doors like that of a, of a great a great supermarket or Walmart or something just comes right open. And there is a uh, Big iron gates swing open as it's pushed by invisible hands. And the angel takes him and leaves him standing in the street, delivered. You see, the devil may have his plans, and he may have set out to destroy you. And perhaps he's already set his demons out to surround you with fear and has begun his torment. But the God of heaven laughs. At his plans. Satan's plans were for after Easter. Because he's really limited in what he can do until after the resurrection. Come on. But when the rapture takes place, watch out. Hey Amen. He's got, you know, he will come down in full force to be here upon the earth. But he can only do it after Easter. So before Satan can come down, come on, and fulfill his plans, there's an Easter. Amen. So watch out. He's had plans for Peter after Easter. But until then, just secure him. Just keep him sealed away. Just keep him chained down with doubt, with unbelief, with men's theology, with with quotes, with, with Bible verses that will tie him down using the very things that ought to free him to bind him up again. Come on. But it's Easter. Amen. Amen. And Easter is when the chains fall off. Easter, thy light has come. It's Easter. And the angels smites you on the side and says, get up. Hallelujah. And the angels have returned and the scenes have repeated in the bride coming. Understand, friends, before he comes as a groom, the resurrection has to take place in the bride. And she has to, she has to receive her change. Notice it is the rising of the sun. He said, for the bride age, there is a resurrection out of dark denominationalism. Will be a message. Here's our message that the maturity of the word has turned back in its full power and being waved over the people by the same signs and wonders that he did back there. He said, because I live, you shall live also. Speaking to his wife, because I live, you shall live also. What a resurrection that was and what a resurrection this is to be quickened from the dead, to be made alive in Christ Jesus by God's quickening power. Hallelujah. Let me read this quote and we're closed. Let the musicians come. Notice, Brother Branham said the theology of Christian churches are dying. It's failed. God is taking you. Listen, God is taking you to now to reveal himself again through his church, the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected out of church entity, resurrected out of old cold formal churches resurrected out of fanaticism God is bringing forth a bunch of bones and putting skin on it in the power of the Holy Ghost that'll bring the gospel in this last day with signs and wonders to the world they'll teach the Bible they'll stand by it they'll live by it they'll not compromise right or left right they'll stand right on the word and move on And God will be with them daily. Confirming the word with signs and wonders following. Hallelujah. All you morning stars, rise and shine. Won't you stand together with me right now? Amen. Get up. The angel smiting you on the side. Get up. Get out of your doldrums. Awake, thou that sleepeth. And arise from the dead. Christ shall give you light. Amen. Oh, the sun is shining. The sun of righteousness has risen with healing in his wings. It's restoration hour. It's Easter. Turn around and speak to somebody near you. Amen. Say it to each one of you around the platform, up in the audio booth, and here in the congregation. Say to one another, it's Easter. It's Easter. Amen. It's Easter. That ought to be our, our, our slogan today. That ought to be our cry. It's Easter. The sun is risen. Spring is here. And nothing an uh, old cold spell can ever do to put it back to be in winter again. Amen. No, sir. Spring is on its way. And I don't care. Maybe... <coughs> You might feel like you're having like an old cold spell right now. Don't you worry. I mean, it may seem dark and dreary where you're at. Don't you worry. may seem like cancer or sickness has got you down. Don't you worry. It's Easter. It's Easter. The fig tree is blooming. Oh, daughters of Zion. Oh, Abraham's sons. Hear the word of your fathers. Here is promise of love. God will make you a nation. The fig tree is blooming. Israel is awakening and the bride tree is in full bloom. Trees that were dead are alive. It's Easter. People that were dead are now alive. It's Easter. Religion that was dead is now alive, it's Easter words like seed that lay dormant through the cold winter are coming to life amen, the song of Solomon says, my beloved spake song of Solomon 2.10 my beloved spake and said unto me rise up my love you hear the word again, rise up Michael shall stand out. Amen. Can't you hear this word? Peter, stand up. Revelation 5. The mighty angel stands up. Revelation 10. Amen. In the taking the boat, we stand up. Rise up, my love. My fair one. Come away. Song of Solomon 2, 11. For lo, the winter is past. The dark ages are over. Amen, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing of the birds has come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs. And the vines with their tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, come away. Hear your prophet say, now it's Easter time. I like that. There's too much on Easter today about bunny rabbits, ducks, and pink chickens, and pretty hats, and new dresses. And that's not Easter. And I say there's too much about new doctrines, all dressed up with man's theology. That's not Easter, Amen. Another a new teaching, a, a kingdom. That's not Easter. Easter is a resurrection, restoring to brave life. It's restoration time. You look over the earth, it's restoring. Nature is restoring the flowers, the leaves, the fruits. God is restoring Easter. It's Easter. It means to bring back. Amen. The sun is shining. Oh, the sun of righteousness is arising with healing in his wings. Blowing away the spooks. Bringing life into the body. Why don't you worship the Lord with me? Let's sing this together. The tomb now is empty. The stone is rolled away. And Christ is alive in my heart. What about death? And death which is conquered. me hath no part for Christ is alive in my heart the seals now are open the seals now are open the mysteries are revealed and Christ is alive in my heart. Thank you, Jesus. And death, oh, which is conquered in me at the pause. For Christ
1: is alive in my heart.